Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Unplug with Annie. Continuing the series of Drive, I have Akash on the show today. He's the founder of RT Fitness, and the mission there is to, to see a world where everyone experiences the power of a physical body transformation, um, essentially to act as a vehicle for the greater good in their lives. He's doing some incredible things in the company, um, not only running his RNT Fitness Radio podcast, but also in the process of completing his first book as an author. And um, he's been producing blogs and videos, and he also speaks at events essentially to to influence lives. And you know, the impact of RNT goes across different countries. Um, he's really transforming lives and doing an incredible job. So uh, I'm thoroughly looking forward to this chat as fitness is something, as you all know, which I absolutely love. Hey, Akash, welcome to Unplug with Annie. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited as well. So tell us a little bit about RNT Fitness. How did it start? Where did the idea come from? And what inspired you to basically start this company in the first place? Amazing. So there's uh, plenty of different places to start there. Where would you like me to begin? <laughs> so where, what were you doing before, before RNT essentially? Okay, so I've always been in the uh, fitness industry. I've been in the industry now for 10 years. Uh, what may be more interesting to your listeners is that I was actually destined to towards a path of law. Uh, so I was going to follow in my father's footsteps and become a lawyer uh, when I realized that once I caught the bug with fitness and I saw all the transformational benefits it was having for me in, in the confidence, focus, and control in my life, I realized that this was an avenue I want to pursue because ultimately I, I became hooked to it and I was reading about it all the time. Uh, and you know, in, in the periods when I should have been looking at law applications, I was reading health and nutrition articles. Uh, so uh, I, mean, I changed my path, went down the route of um, fitness. I studied sport and exercise science at University of Birmingham. And then after that, I was a personal trainer in the city of London for five years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it got to the point where I didn't want to be, I don't know if you know how the personal trainer lifestyle is, but it's very unsociable hours where you leave the house at 4.30 in the morning and you get home at 10 p.m. and you repeat that cycle six days a week. And I didn't want to be... Uh, someone who was training time for money, um, but at the same time, uh, I wanted to have more flexibility in my lifestyle. So, you know, when it came to having family uh, and children, I'd actually be able to see them because a lot of my colleagues around me, they were having families, but they were never seeing their children because they were always on the gym floor. So I wanted something that was more flexible and not to say that what I do now is any easier. Uh, it does give me more flexibility in where I can work and how I can work, uh, which is when I started taking on more online clients uh, and then in May 2017, RNT Fitness was set up, and uh, and here we are, two and a half years later. And and what has the journey been like of doing it? Is it something which is like, is it exactly how you imagined it to be, or what would you have to say about the journey so far? I mean, the journey uh, as a from a business point of view has been an absolute roller coaster. So, <laughs> anyone listening who's who's in business themselves and in that early startup phase you'll know it's like one minute you're feeling on top of the world. Six hours later, you're having a breakdown. Four hours later, you're feeling good again. Three hours later, it's, it's another crisis. So it's constantly up and down. But it's what I've, what's amazed me most about the journey in the last two and a half years is, is the amount of impact we've, had, we've been able to have and, and the fact that we've been, been able to impact over 20 countries in the world. And 
really spread the mission that we're on to places I didn't see or expect to be impacting. So obviously, the, you know, the drive is to help people transform uh, with what you're doing. And like you said, you've just, the impact has been so great. Um, was there a point for you in the journey or, or, or maybe before R&T where you were really, like where you lacked the drive to, you know, you didn't know what, how it was all going to come to place. And um, you know how like sometimes you see the end vision, but you just don't know how you're going to possibly get there. And was there something or someone who really helped sort of inspire you or steer you in the right direction? Was that your dad for you or would it, would it be something else? Are you talking from a fitness point of view or from a uh, business? Um, I guess from, from, well, from both, from both. Yeah. So yeah. regards to fitness, I mean, the, the main driver for, for me now, I mean, one thing I always say uh, as the mission statement of what we do is that the physical is the vehicle and it's the vehicle for the greater good in your life. And the reason why I believe in that so much is because when I started training, I was uh, 17 years old, 58 kilos, skinny fat, moves with a pot belly, lacking uh, <laughs> lacking confidence felt insecure and i saw the transformative benefits that uh, healthy positive habits had in my life and the confidence it gave me to pursue what i wanted to do the focus it gave me in my life all these all these feelings i had i wanted other people to experience the exact same thing which is why now the mission of rnt is very much about using the physical transformation and everything that it brings with it as a vehicle to then push forward in your life in, in all areas possible. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and like, so in, in terms of health and, and this space that you are working in, I always feel like there's so much, um, there's a lot of disagreements in terms of what is the right way of doing things, what's the wrong way of doing things. And uh, recently there's a lot of, you know, documentaries like Game Changers um, and, and many others which are focusing, of course, on mental health, which has become a big topic, but also fitness and um, our inside health. And uh, there's been a lot of focus towards switching to veganism and the betterment of that in the long run. Um, so what are your thoughts on this? Because I just feel like there's so much information now on the internet as well. It just gets so confusing. Like one minute, something's good for you. The next minute is bad for you. Um, how do we kind of how do we know, you know, the, the, find the right answers essentially um, to what works in the best way possible? Yeah, good question. My thoughts on veganism are, are pretty much the same ac across any sort of diet in that you've got to ultimately find what works for you and for your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And with veganism, the, there's obviously a lot of talk of it now with various documentaries uh, talking about it. And, and my thoughts are very neutral in that I don't think these documentaries are substantial enough to say you, you must go vegan. Um, at the same time, I'm not saying that uh, the opposite is true as well. I think if you're ethically inclined, you should definitely be vegan because I think that's the main uh, driver here for people. So if you're ethically inclined, go vegan. If you're doing it for health and performance benefits, I think that's a bit gray and I don't think it's conclusive yet to as to whether a vegan, in the, a vegan diet in the long run is going to be more beneficial for you. But which is, why, which is why I stay on the fence and just say, if you're ethically inclined, go for it. But if you're doing it for other reasons, you may want to rethink your strategy. I think with most people, whether, especially for omnivores, so people who eat meat and fish, what veganism and what these documentaries are bringing to light is the importance of having more plants in our diet. And I think there's nothing that's going to ever be wrong or bad about having more plants in your diet. And I think that's 
no matter what diet you follow, it's a principle you can take across the board, uh, which will help you with your health, fitness and overall performance. Yeah, of course. And like, like you said, it's, it's different for everyone. Um, but generally on fitness journeys as well, I feel like the focus is so much on, on looking better as well, like on the external progress um, compared to the internal process of all of that. Um, so how much of these like transformations, which are physical, um, require like a change in mentality, which is more internal? And, and sometimes I feel like, of course, you as um as somebody who takes on clients and and sees them through this transformation um has there been situations where people have not been able to sustain it post-transformation and literally just taken it for what it is um or are you with them on this journey you know in the long run and if so um you know how much of it is an internal kind of transformation if that makes sense yeah i think if you want to get a long-term transformation you have to change your internal wiring. Mm. If, you don't, if you don't do the internal work, every, all the results you'll gain will be short-lived. Yeah. Because you don't change your identity, uh, you don't change your behavior systems, your belief systems, your mindset, your habits. And these are all the things that carry you forward. Anyone can, anyone can diet down and, and exercise a bit more and lose some weight for... 12, 16, 20 weeks and gain it all back on. I mean, that's why 90% of diets fail because they don't address the root causes of why you got into the, into the bad place in the first place. Because all transformations ultimately begin from a point of distress. And that distress usually triggers bad behaviors. You know, you hear people emotionally eating or eating to fill a void or choosing bad lifestyle choices because of something's happened in their lives. And it's important when you begin a journey that you address the why and then you address the why behind the why. So you really get deep into your internal wiring to understand what's happening, why it's happened, uh, and then use that to drive you going forwards. Mm -hmm. And if you start doing these uh, exercises, you can, you, know, you can do this in a journal, you can do this with someone else, but you'll start to really connect to the real reason why this, this journey is important to you beyond just the aesthetic benefit that it's going to bring. The aesthetic benefit for the short term is, is easy to get. Be able to get a long-term lifestyle change is the hard work. And that's where you have to ask yourself and question your beliefs around food, around identity, around the environments you're putting yourself in, around the triggers that have caused you to put yourself in uh, bad positions in the past. So when you want to switch from a short-term transformation to a long-term lifestyle solution, there's a lot of internal work that needs to be underpinning this overall transition and that long-term transformation. Mm. And is that something that you, you take on board and encourage clients to do as well, I'm assuming? Yeah, I mean, the first phase for us, uh, we call it cleaning the palate. And, and it's, it's aptly named because essentially you want to cleanse the palate of all the behaviors you've had in the past. And you want to implement the right structure, strategy and systems for your lifestyle. And what you'll find is when you implement structure into your day, all of a sudden you have to question your choices a lot more. And when you do that, you start thinking, oh, I did have more time or I was wasting my time doing this or before I used to eat like that and I felt like this, but now I eat like this and I feel great. You know, all these things start changing in your mind. And when you couple that with asking yourself why you're doing this and asking yourself the deep reasons behind it, whether it's for your, to have more energy with your kids or whether it's to uh, be able to 
stay alive for your grandparents, whether it's to drive the business forward and be a, be a productive person or whatever it may be. It's individual for everyone. But it's, a, it's important you uncover the layers underneath the, uh, the surface requirements of, I just want to look good. Yeah. And do you, in your opinion, is there a specific, is there sort of like a sweet spot in terms of the time it takes to sort of change a habit? Um, because I know that's like a number which gets thrown around as well. Like, you know, it takes 20 days or 60 days or in your opinion or from experience, what do you think that time realistically looks like? Honestly, I think to get a long-term transformation, I think it takes a minimum of a year. Mm. I think you need to go through a, a whole year of, of, of learning new behaviors. And, and I'd say a year is an absolute minimum. It probably takes longer than that because the reason why a year is a good timeline is because it allows you to go around the calendar once because you get to see the, the, the busy periods, the, the low stress periods, the high stress periods, the birthdays, the events, the holidays, et cetera. So you start to learn how you are in different environments and different situations. Yeah. Um, and you really get to ingrain the habits down because I don't, I don't believe, yes, they say, you know, 66, 66 days is a common uh, number, but I don't know. It, it's too individual. And, and how do you know if it's a crystallized habit, if you haven't put it to the test, you have to be able to know, is this new habit you've, you've formed, is it transferable to different environments? Yeah. If when you get busy, do you still execute the habit? If when you go on holiday, do you still execute the habit? So you need to test yourself in these different environments and know whether your habit or your what's more important is the structure and strategy and systems you have that form that stand behind the habit. Are they strong enough to withstand? Mm. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure a question which like everyone wants to know is always how do you, when it comes to losing weight, um, of course, the, the, the main question when people want to do it, in a in a short period of time is is there ever a right way of doing it or in your opinion is it always better to to take that slow and steady uh process as opposed to like a crash diet because obviously we, we get these periods where we do want results fast for xyz reason but is that ever really a healthy way of doing it well i would say no to a crash diet but i would mm -hmm. also say no to doing things extremely slowly right that is i think there's a sweet spot where you have to go for that short-term transformation hit that checkpoint and then work on the the slow lifestyle changes because i think if you don't get those small wins and you don't see a change in your body you won't you won't develop confidence in what you're doing and you won't get the momentum you what you need what a journey really thrives on is momentum and to get that momentum you need to see fast you know quote unquote fast results and that doesn't mean a crash diet, but you need to see results soon. So then you can build in it and use it as a platform to then create your lifestyle solutions afterwards. But I think if you go too slow at the beginning, you won't see much change. And then it'll almost be like, well, this is not working. I'm going to try something else. This is not working. I'm going to try something else. And then you just end up program hopping for a whole year and end up at square one. Whereas if you can get those short-term results, you can use the confidence and momentum you've built to then shift and and work on those identity and behavior shifts that really need to happen yeah yeah absolutely and and generally with with coaching clients and people who do follow whether it's online programs or just go to the gym themselves and whatever it is people are doing when it comes to weight training you know you are often prone to injury especially if your form is incorrect and um 
you, yeah, you, if you don't have a coach and you, you might not be doing the technique correctly. Um, is there, is there any way we can just, we can really like tap into getting more knowledge on how to prevent these injuries in the long run? Um, does weight training definitely mean that you're prone to injury like later on in life or is it actually uh, a way of injury pre prevention in the long run? So a couple of questions there. The first, uh, I'll, I'll tackle a bit about long-term weight training and yeah. aging populations, weight training is actually very, very important because strength and muscle mass is a strong correlator to how well you age. So for anyone looking to age in a good way, you have to be doing resistance training in order to maintain your muscle mass in, in, turn, in order to main your, maintain your strength levels. Is it going to hurt you? And is there like an automatic, if you start weight training, you're going to get hurt? Mm. That only happens with bad form. And if you're exercising with bad form and in dangerous movement patterns, or you let your ego get in the way and you start lifting heavier than you should be, then of course you will be more prone to injuries. But if you lift with good form and you lift safely and within your boundaries, then uh, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't be weight training. And this is for men and women, uh, as well as young and old populations. Okay. Okay. And, and so you, you, you often do speaking events, you uh, do corporate events as a speaker as well. Um, how, what, tell us a little bit about that to begin with. Uh, about the, the different places I speak at? Yeah, yeah. Um, more recently, it's been uh, at different uh, organizations, whether it's uh, entrepreneur events or whether it's banks. Um, and, and really, it's just about spreading the awareness of the importance of looking after yourself in order to be a high performer at work. Mm -hmm. Because it's very easy for very driven individuals to neglect their own self-care when in actual fact it's actually important if you want to go to the next level and you want to be a high performer then you need to be taking care of yourself you know you need to be looking after number one and what i've been doing is just spreading more awareness of the importance of simple things such as hitting ten thousand steps a day drinking three liters of water sleeping seven to eight hours a night very simple habits that whether it's executives or entrepreneurs or or anyone looking to go to the next level in life can implement and, and derive benefits from. Do you feel that a lot of people question, you know, there are people who would say, you know, I, I really don't have time. I don't know when I could possibly fit 10,000 steps in my day. So is it, is it a matter of hitting multiple things that we need to be doing? Or is there some really like basic things we can fit in regardless of our lifestyle? I mean, regardless of your lifestyle, you're talking uh, water, like water yeah. intake, you can always control what you put in your mouth. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That's a big, like, there's no excuse there. Yeah. And you know, the whole time thing is always interesting because I work with a lot of people who, who start off with me and say, I have no time. You know, I live the busiest lifestyle ever and all these sorts of things. But once they uncover why what they're doing is important and they link it to their highest priority in their lives, then suddenly, they open up 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, and they start being more productive with those dead, dead zones that they didn't really, that they weren't previously aware, aware about. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that the athlete mindset is like the, the most aspirational mindset to kind of attain because I think it, it, it carries, you can carry a lot of that into every area of your life. For you with fitness, how do you feel it has, 
um, kind of penetrated every single area of your life? Are there certain principles which you apply to everything else which you have learned from fitness? I mean, the, the easiest comparison I make is bodybuilding. And uh, so I've competed in bodybuilding quite a few times. And my bodybuilding preps have taught me more about business than anything else because it's taught me consistency, it's taught me structure, it's taught me the benefits of turning up every day, ticking the boxes, uh, the ability to grind and really push hard when you, know, when you feel like crap and you just still keep going. So there's a lot of lessons that bodybuilding and, and focusing on the physical self transcends into other areas in your life. And I think the biggest ones come, for me, it's, it's undoubtedly structure and the power of uh, continuously turning up every day. Mm, yeah for sure and and what was in terms of bodybuilding I know like a lot of friends of mine have competed and there is like a phase where afterwards that transition phase of going back to your what regular life was like becomes really difficult because you've, you've sort of reached the peak of what you uh perhaps that's like the best physical space you have been ever and it's very difficult to maintain in the long run and maybe not even healthy to maintain in the long run um is there anything that you can do to make that journey easier that you know going back when we, when you are switching back to a regular lifestyle from bodybuilding so we call it the consolidation phase um and it's a critical period in that you reach this pinnacle of physical condition but it's, like you said, it's not a healthy place to always be for the long run. Mm. But at the same time, you don't want to just switch back to normal living. You need to make a slow transition. So if you consider the peak of your physical condition to be doing a lot of exercise, you're eating less food, um, you're doing more general activity, you need to slowly dial down the intensity and also normalize your behaviors because you will have had accumulated some behaviors during that period of time which may not be conducive for the long run. So mm. you have to just dial down the intensity slowly. And the biggest mistake you can actually make is just going from doing everything to suddenly going to quote unquote normal. Because that's where it can affect your mindset quite a bit. Because you're like, oh, I look so great. And then a couple of weeks later, you're like, I look terrible. Where, yeah. you know, it's a middle ground where you dial the intensity down and know that it's okay to gain a little bit of body fat and it's probably healthy and normal to, to do so. Yeah, no, of course. And now you, you so you also have a podcast. Um, how and when did that start? And if you can tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we started the podcast in November 2017. So it's been running for just over two years now. Uh, and we've accumulated nearly 120 episodes now. So that's been pretty cool. Uh, it's called RNT Fitness Radio. And we bring a mix of people who uh, talk about mindset, psychology, uh, to fitness. And, but our, our biggest USP has probably been to bring on our clients and let them share their stories, which is something I haven't seen many uh, podcasts in our space do. So that's always been very unique and it's been a, a valuable asset for a lot of our clients who are going through the journey to give them company when they're doing their steps. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sure people can, it, it's good that you've kind of plugged that in so people can check it out. Um, and what is one thing other than fitness, is there anything else that you do for your mental health every day that you make it a point to do, whether it's, whatever it is, whether it is journaling or meditation or what, what is that other thing for you which really works? Yeah, for me, it's uh, definitely uh, journaling. Okay. journaling for, I mean, if you combine journaling with uh, training, 
those two things are like the things that keep me sane. I like journaling at the start of um, my day. I do it before I open up the laptop and I don't spend too long on it, maybe five, 10 minutes, mm -hmm. but I just uh, pour out any thoughts I'm having, work through any lingering issues and just basically ha have a safe place which um, doesn't judge and allows me to write wherever I like. Um, and I find those five, 10 minutes can just form that anchor of your day and allow you to start the day in the right way. Yeah, yeah, no, that is great. I have started doing it that, but it's sort of just been at the end of the day in a bit of a rush, so I need to like dedicate some better times towards that. One thing I would say on that is that a lot of people get overwhelmed by it. They always ask me, I always get a lot of questions about journaling. And I get, people get overwhelmed by it and they're saying, you know, what's the best way to journal? How long should you spend journaling? And if you, if you ask yourself all that, you'd never get started. I would just start, like, I literally say to myself, I'm going to write three lines. And yeah. that's what it really takes. And then I might write three lines or I might write 30 lines. It just depends on my mood and, and my time. And, and that way it just takes the pressure off because everyone can write three lines. Yeah. So there's no, there's no right, wrong way of doing it, essentially. Yeah. And, and yeah. so what, what else are you doing at the moment? Are you, I, I think I remember you saying you were writing something. Are you, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm, writing my, um, I'm writing my first book, uh, which okay. is extremely exciting uh yeah. I, i'm in the uh i'm in the editing phase right now so okay in october i wrote the first draft took some time away from it and then i went through one round of editing it's now with some test readers and then i'm going to be going through another round of editing over christmas so it's very exciting um, okay amazing so we, that's hopefully coming out in 2020 yeah, but my aim is to get out from May 2020 in, in okay. time for RNT's 30th anniversary. Okay, amazing, amazing. Well, it's been so, so great chatting to you. The, the last question I have, because this, this season essentially is about the drive that everyone has to do what they want to do. Do you feel looking back now on your journey that that drive essentially before you started RNT is the same drive that you wake up now with every day? Or do you think that's progressed into something else and that? continues to change yeah I, I would say so i mean i think this year i really learned that my own drive comes a lot more internally than i than i thought it was like i'm really driven by the idea of self-mastery and and just trying to i almost use business and training and writing as a vehicle to push myself further and see what i can do and understand myself more because i find the further I push each of those vehicles, the more I understand about myself. And I feel like that's become a, a real driving factor for me at the moment. But I'm aware that, you know, your why and what drives you continues to evolve uh, with the different seasons you go through in life. So I expect it to potentially be a different answer if we were to speak in 12, 24 months time. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing the rest of your journey and, Definitely will keep you posted about it all. Thank you for having me. And that's the end of another episode on Unplug with Annie. Thank you for listening into the series of Drive. Tune in every Sunday and stay updated with everything Unplug on our IG page and Facebook page, Unplug with Annie.